Better Banking is getting an unbelievable 0.99% APR rate on a home equity line of credit from First Commonwealth Bank to turn your bathroom into your, wow, I love this bathroom, bathroom. 0.99% introductory APR for six months that adjusts to a variable rate based on Wall Street Journal prime rate plus or minus a margin with a minimum rate of 2.99% and a maximum rate of 18%. Offer subject to change or withdrawal at any time. Call 1-800-711-2265 for details about credit costs and terms. Equal housing lender, First Commonwealth Bank, member FDIC. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Welcome in to DC On Screen, a podcast about the DC Universe properties being brought to film and television. I am your host, David C. Robertson, and this is my co-host, Jason Goss. Hello. Oh, man. So, up front, this is going to be a long episode. There's a whole lot of stuff dropped. Um, so, let's get this out of the way real quick. We did a crossover with the Suicide Squad cast. We reviewed Batman and Robin, two-part episode, one part on their show, one part on our show. Go check that out. Links in the description. Also, we just did a crossover with the next time with uh, next time the comic book television prediction podcast with our buddy Scott Madison. Uh, we did an Arrow season five show that's yet to be released and will be on his stream, uh, and a review of Superman for the Quest for Peace, which is on ours um, and is so ready to go. Check that out. One last thing before we dive in. You know what Loot Crate is. It's a bi-monthly Geek and Gamer box. We get you three bucks off. That's less than 20 bucks a month for six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, and exclusives that you won't get anywhere else. LootCrate.com forward slash giant size team up. I think we're Enter probably going to be giant size team up. We're probably going to be past the deadline for this month. So check back we are. next month. We are. All right. That's it. All right. We're going to jump in. Dig in. Man. Oh, so much, so much, so much, so much. Put your work Suicide Squad back. stuff. I, how did you put it earlier? I, I, I asked like, how's the news going, and you said, um, "Fucking Suicide Squad exploded all over the place." I didn't put it like that, but um, <laughs> I, I think I said Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> Maybe that was just context. I heard it in your voice. That's what I heard. <laughs> man, oh man, they are pushing Suicide Squad harder than John Smith pushed to poke at some hauntas. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, have you ever heard the wolf cry to the blue corn moon, Jason? No. Have you ever asked the grinning bobcat why he grinned? No, I, I've danced with the devil in the pale moonlight, but that was really about as far as I got. Oh. Well, well, I asked him. He said he had gas. Anyway. <laughs> Suicide Squad tickets are officially on sale. We have our tickets. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm excited for that. I do love walking up to that, that little will call electronic box on the side. That line mm-hmm. out the door to grab tickets, mm-hmm. and I just walk through the thing, grab my tickets, and go. Mm-hmm. Don't know why no one ever thinks of that. I know I was going to see it with Jason, so Jason just went ahead and grabbed the tickets, and they have this new feature on Facebook where you could send money to each other, and mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I was like super excited. I was actually more excited to send him $25 <laughs> <laughs> for Facebook than I was to know that I had the tickets for Suicide Squad. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm an old man becoming very, very happy with technology. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't know. Anyway, they, um, they, uh, we're already at the point. I've said this before. I said it about BBS too. Um, I, I we're already at the point where like I don't need any more news. I just don't. Just just bring me the movie. <laughs> just bring me the movie. Well, you're gonna get a lot of news. Oh, I know. Today, I know. Like today, they, they just like, instead of releasing all this news, you could just give me the movie. And, and every- before getting mad at me, because you're probably gonna get a little mad at me. Oh, all of this has been officially released. Shit. All right. I know. Um. Also. Everyone is down to see this movie. Like it, even I, I, I even asked the wife. Not the kind of person mm-hmm. who's going to run out to to go see one of these movies with me most of the time. I even asked her though. Like, hey, um, Suicide Squad. So like, you know, um, like Bethany's going. You wouldn't be the only girl. Or everything. I didn't get to finish my pitch. She, oh yeah, hell, hell yeah, I want to see that. Oh, yeah. Okay. At, um, yeah. At this point, even non-fans know this looks that, like a fun movie. Well, everyone knows that the man in the back yelled, "Everyone attack!" and it turned into a ballroom blitz. All right. <laughs> everyone knows. Nobody's going to miss that shit. <laughs> right. Um, and this first piece of neural news actually mirrors that statement. Suicide Squad is on track for a $125 million opening weekend. That doesn't surprise me a bit. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll go one further. I'll bet they hit 45-ish at least on Thursday. They might. Uh, it's uh, That's actually low-balling. They're saying it might get up to I might get up 135. Oh, shit. Yeah. So you saying for the weekend, for opening weekend yeah, or opening day? Week, yeah, opening weekend, mm-hmm. which is which is really good. So um, it looks like it's got to beat out uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which has the biggest August opening weekend box office record with ninety four point three million. Let me put it this way: um, I'm looking for this movie to beat Deadpool on, <laughs> on, a, on a few counts. I don't want it to. I don't have it. There's, there's no kick coming here. I don't care. I, I love Deadpool, and I'm gonna love this movie. I feel pretty sure. But I'll, yeah. I actually have my money on it on it beating it. I literally have my money on it beating it. The only way I'd be more excited for more Deadpool or Suicide Squad is if Deadpool were in Suicide Squad. And that would be fine. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, Deadpool could go anywhere and do anything. Yeah, yeah. There would be um, like there'd be like three people in the audience that would go, "Hey, wait a second, and everyone else would go, "Shut your fucking mouth right now." <laughs> Deadpool's very existence comes directly from the Reading Rainbow opening credits song. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Of gosh. course. So, right. well, keep going till you disappoint me or infuriate me, whichever one it is you're going to do. <laughs> So there's a huge, huge dump of news um, over at Collider. We talked about some of this uh, last week. That was in the uh, the big EW article, EW article, Entertainment mm-hmm. Weekly article. Uh, but apparently, last year, a bunch of reporters went to uh, went to the set, and they had like a big embargo on it until just now. So tons of stuff about Suicide Squad. They actually watched a scene, which we're going to actually get into a little bit. Um, like we were, we've been talking about the rehearsal process, and mm-hmm. here are some actual like full quotes from some people uh, to these uh, to this Adam Chitwood from Collider. Adam Chitwood, this is pretty much where I got all of this stuff. Like he put down the most what I found to be the most comprehensive list of everything over the course of several articles. Um, so Margot Robbie says uh, on the first day of rehearsals, Ayer encouraged Ayer encouraged the actors to bare their souls. She said, "I had done as much research as I possibly could." I mean, I'm still reading comics as we go. It's really hard to read all of them, but I guess it just takes it to a much deeper level. And he finds parts in you that you that relate to the character, which is something that you think you're doing when you do your prep. 
But then you start working with someone like David and realize that you haven't done it all or haven't done that at all. And like subconsciously you were just using your top layers because you don't want to go to the deeper layers. Cause that's, you know, terrifying and you def <laughs> you definitely don't want to expose that in front of people that you don't know. But day one, we're in the rehearsal room in front of everyone I just met. And David's like, so tell me about your childhood. It's immediately in deep and you're completely exposed and it's kind of awful, but ends up being extremely helpful for the character work and development. Uh, Jay Hernandez, Diablo, um, says there was a long rehearsal process. I got here pretty early and it was a daily routine, sort of spending time in rehearsals and working with David and other cast members, exploring the characters, exploring the scenes, kind of figuring out who they were and where these moments would take us. A lot of times they went completely different directions than I thought they would sort of reading the scripts. And that was part of the joy, I suppose of these rehearsal processes. We get to know each other as people. We get to see what we're going to sort of bring to the table on the day in terms of actors. And we got to sort of like try on different takes. Sometimes a scene could play two, three, four, five vastly different ways. And we would explore all those options and kind of find what worked the best for us and for our scene partners. It was just a great process of exploration and really finding the character and getting a deep sense of understanding of who those people, who these people are and kind of where the story needed to go. This guy is thorough and mm -hmm. maniacal. Kind of like him. <laughs> Adewale Akenawa Agbaji, who plays Killer Croc, uh -huh. um, is saying that the intensity of the rehearsals made the cast like a family, and it all became clear once cameras started rolling. He says, we all trained together. Everything was done together. We worked out together. We rehearsed together. We cried together. We hurt together. We laughed together. There was definitely a magical method to the madness. Once we began principal photography, we saw why David works that way, because it's such a solid bond, solid squad. You'll hear this from the other cast. It's so tight, and we support each other in getting through it. Once we came out of that intense training course, not only were we like a family, but we were pretty much ready for anything that, was, that he was going to throw at us. God, it, um, it really starts to remind you of like one of those summer camp adventures where you do a skit at the end. <laughs> is is that what it's reminding me? <laughs> I guess. I, I, I can see it. I mean, it sounds so much better than that, but... Right. But it kind of does. <laughs> Was David Ayer just a camp counselor, or did he just watch a lot of Salute Your Shorts? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Big fan of Hey Dude. <laughs> There's a pull. <laughs> you know that you know they released that all of that on a on a complete series DVD set. I that's, bought it for that's nothing. not right. I can't get Constantine on DVD, and I can get hate. That's not that's not fair. The world isn't right. <laughs> hey man, she's got hey dude. I've got Rocco's Modern Life. Um, I'll, I'll stand by Rocco's Modern Life. Um, <laughs> as uh, as Ayer tells it. His process is all about making the characters as emotionally honest as possible. He says, as far as helping the actors, for me, is, spe is specificity to help them tap into their lives. Help them tap into their own experiences and their own hearts, their own families, their own traumas, their own pains, their own loves. Anytime an actor can do that is going to yield a better performance, I think a more honest performance. At the end of the day, like I said, sure, this is a movie about supervillains, but they're just people. They're just people, so long as the actors are emotionally honest then the characters will feel real to us and we'll understand because that's the film. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm digging it, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging all of this. I really, I, I really am. I mean, this guy showed up with a plan and you got to love that. He's he, a, it sounds like he did a little bit, but I mean, 
obviously he knew the characters like that he was trying to portray, and it sounds like he knew the crap out of the source material, but it also sounds like he did a little bit of investigative work on his actors before they even showed up. Mm-hmm. And like already knew a couple of levers he was going to be prying at him, you know. Right. That's um, yeah. And the part I like most about this is that like this is all corroborated. It, no one's come out and said, "Ah, oh, dude, like they're they're kind of playing it up." Like David was pretty cool and everything, but wouldn't like no one's done that. It's all just been like, yeah, no, seriously, shit was weird for a few months. Even Will mm-hmm. Smith, who was actually pretty level-headed as far as uh, I've ever seen his <laughs> interviews go, uh, <laughs> even him coming out saying, "I've never met Jared Leto. I met the Joker." <laughs> absolutely (laughs) it all sounds fascinating all right so what follows now is a kind of a lengthy little interview that adam shitwood did with margot robbie um adam says there are so many iterations of the character from the i'm cutting some of this by the way because it's a really long interview sounds like there are so many iterations of the character from the comic books when it was first introduced to the cartoon which cartoon came first but you know more recently, she's been, like in the Suicide Squad comics, did you get a stack of comics to read for research? She says, yeah, well, I got the role right after, right after Christmas, so my Christmas list consisted of Harley Quinn comics, Suicide Squad comics, any comics that like incorporate Harley Quinn. So, yeah, I have a massive stack. Nice. Um, she says, Jeff Johns uh, didn't really recommend anything. She pretty much found whatever she was going to get, aside from what she got for Christmas. Um, on... Expanding the role of female superheroes or antiheroes and how Harley Quinn fits into that, Robbie says, I don't think it's any secret that the industry is definitely gravitating towards female leads and giving the women a, a voice. And I think they finally realize that women go to see movies as much as men do. Ticket sales are coming from them as well, so why not appeal to them? I think they're finding a way. You know, thank God. After <laughs> all those, you know, after all those reports from Young Justice. Just, oh, right. man, thank you. I don't care if I like a girl property. You can turn all superheroes into just a female property. Just say that they're for girls now. Just do the whole cultural switch. I don't care. I'll watch it. Yeah, the I watched the, Felicity. The thing that for happened God's to sake. the thing that happened to Young Justice was just bad. I mean, that was that was brutal. Uh, she says, I think the superhero platform gives the female character, you know, a relatability for the male audience as well. So I think that's why people are kind of gravitating, gravitating toward female superhero characters and also female characters in general as big parts of the film. So that's great for us, female actors who want to do roles like that, which is really great. But Harley in particular, like you said earlier, she's like a very... She has an endearing quality, even though she is technically one of the bad guys. I was kind of searching online trying to figure out why that was, that... Even though, you know, how do you make someone likable when they're doing horrible things? Definitely her soft spot for Joker seems to be something people relate to and empathize with. And it makes her more real. And I think also the fact, not just for Harley, but all the characters because they are so flawed, I think it makes them very accessible for an audience. And I think the fact that they are supervillains kind of makes them a little more exciting. And like I said, accessible. So yeah, I think you definitely don't need to be a good guy to win the audience over. Um, she said that she's been training for Harley at the time of the interview since November of last year. Um, so it was more like six months for her on the intense training. Hmm. Um, definitely by far the most training regimen, uh, I've ever gone through. She's, (laughs) she talks about, all right. What was the hardest part for you? We heard that you're dancing, you're fighting. She says, yeah, I mean, ironically enough, it's the more simple things that prove to be the most difficult. Like, I can actually learn, sorry, I can technically learn, you know, I started doing gymnastics, I started doing gun training and this and that. I can understand the technical side of how to do something. Oh, that's how you can do a forward walkover or a handstand for 30 seconds. But I didn't have the physical strength to allow myself to do those things, even the gun training. If I've done gymnastics for an hour and a half and I go straight to gun range and I'm holding a 
revolver in my left hand just in case I need to shoot with two hands. My hands are like shaking like this because my muscles are just so sore and just not enough and just not strong enough to deal with that. But you have to be able to do that because on set, you know, if you've got a close up shot of the gun in the foreground of the frame and is shaking like this, you think Harley doesn't know that <laughs> know what she's doing. She doesn't look scary right now. No, like she's a, definitely a going to miss this shot. Wildly different scene if somebody's hand is shaking. Mm-hmm. So ironically enough, it was the more simple things that I had trouble with. I it looked pretty simple when she's swinging that bat in her little promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam says, "Can you talk about the psychological complexity of the relationship between her and Joker, and what she basically goes over to the dark side for? What is it about him? Can you talk a little bit about that, the sort of Sid and Nancy thing that comes up?" She says, yeah, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out the relationship because it's so easy. It's kind of like when your friend is in, like, doing something stupid in a relationship and you're just so frustrated. You're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? So it kind of feels like that when you watch it, when you're reading comics and Harley goes back to him and you're just so frustrated. What are you doing? So I was like, this is really important that I understand and I want to do the things that she does. I need to really feel like that's how I would react in a situation. I ended up landing upon codependency as the tact to take with that. And it turns out it's far more, it's like a compulsion, I suppose. It's kind of when you start looking at it the way an alcoholic is compelled, you know, needs to have a drink. When you think of it in those terms, like as an actual psychological problem, which codependency actually is in really severe cases of codependency. So the more research I did, the more it made sense for me to behave the way she behaved. I really dig how everyone seems to be really getting into a psychological place with the characters. I think and have always felt that that was one of the um, really one of the defining elements of Batman the Animated Series that really just turned me into a DC fan. So to hear these actors talking about all this just really excites me. Mm-hmm. Also, she's um, I like I really love that she went with codependency because it, it is the the thing that has always leapt out to me about Harley. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it actually, with the Joker, too, it leaps out to me. It's just he's codependent on Batman. And uh, so it, it's not... They might be a healthy, happy couple if he was codependent on her. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not a healthy one, but at least uh, somewhat functional. <laughs> but that, that that really is... It's it's the first diagnosis I'd want to throw against the wall when, when thinking about Harley. Mm-hmm. Love that she's going with it. God only knows what I'd throw against the wall for Joker. <laughs> A form um, of OCD, yeah, of all things, is, is maybe one of the first things I'd mention. Mm, maybe. All right. Uh, so Adam says the producers compared Harley to Hannibal Lecter, where her power of words can mess up anybody. <laughs> what nice. does that involve for you in terms of how you speak or how you get into someone's head? Robbie says, yeah, that actually I found really difficult because I find myself in real life. If there's ever tension, I try to diffuse this. The, I try to diffuse the tension, and that's just a natural reaction for me. Where for Harley, it's the complete opposite. And David's really, our directors really encouraged me to hone in on that aspect of her because it's something that doesn't come to me naturally, or most people who want to like not be involved in confrontation. But she feeds off of that. So any opportunity in the rehearsal process where we get lots of improvising and stuff that's not even in the script, but you end up delving into quite deep places. And you're pretty aware that whoever's doing that scene at the time, you know, the co-stars I'm working with, they're kind of feeding off of real things. So my natural reaction is to kind of like leave it be or talk over it so that we don't have to. But that's not what Harley would do. If Harley saw that they've shown a weak spot, she would like a little, sorry, she would like a little scorpion, just like, sorry, like a little scorpion tail, just like 
get in there. And I felt so awful. And so many times we did like those scenes and I was just saying awful things and seeing that someone's struggling with something in particular. And David's looking at me like, you better get in there. That's your window of opportunity right there. Take it. It feels really awful sometimes. That's awesome. He made her emotionally attack people on set. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And Adam says she was a Just, she was a wow. shrink too. Did you study any of those tactics? And she says, "Yeah, I kind of wanted funnily enough. I I mean, yes, I had to look like I had to like look into that side of things where I did, and I'm just learning the basics of that and different mental illnesses and how you recognize them or whatever. But where it became most useful is we started doing rehearsals with Jared Leto, who plays the Joker. Mm -hmm. And he's a method actor, so he's in character all the time because he's got this facade up all the time. It was really hard for me to get through to him at first, I felt. So I was like, okay, I really got to take this, you know, as if I am trying to crack the Joker. And ended up looking into the MMPI testings they have. It's kind of like a test that psychologists use to determine what mental, what mental illness people might have. It's kind of like a list of 500 questions or something. I spent a lot of time reading those. And then whenever we had time to rehearse or improvise or even in the scenes, i just start with those questions. Some of them are basic and some of them are not. See which ones would catch him off guard. See how he'd react. And I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go for this tack now. It's a lot of trial and error, but yeah, it was definitely interesting to do that side of things. Oh, that's a, it really makes you want like a behind-the-scenes reel. I totally do. I mean, I behind-the-scenes are normally a little bit eh. I mean, hey, look, everybody's having fun. It's just, uh, I look at that guy that's only in half-in costume because the rest of his stuff is CGI. It's funny. Okay, No, this shit would be like, <laughs> like just... It would be a psychological thriller just to watch the, like, the behind-the-scenes of this film. Mm-hmm. It would be like the uh, the real life River Tam sessions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean that alone. Like I, I would I would just love to see like a quick twenty minute little uh, biopic of of her trying to get into the Joker's head uh, as Jared Leto's like trying to figure out what his character is about, and she's helping him do it by like poking at different spots, and she's still like they're they're forming the relationship they're gonna have on screen. That'd be fan just just. Oh, man, it'd be fascinating. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's sitting there trying to be in character and, like, trying to get his, uh, you know, there is no Jared Leto. There is no Jared. There is no Jared. And he's trying to do that the whole time, and she asks him something, and, you know, suddenly he's got to ask himself, like, who's, who's she asking? And then he's already, like, he already knows he's screwed up, so he's got to come back. And Oh, man, it'd, mm-hmm. it'd be wonderful. Love to see that. Yeah. Never, I, I uh... never will. <laughs> Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. I want it on record that I would pay for it, though. (laughs) If they send that (laughs) shit out there, I will pay. Pay my Announce it right now. I'll be on Amazon and, like, I will pause this recording (laughs) and go to Amazon. Oh, man. Uh, Adam says, can you tell us a little bit about the costume and the hair and how you feel when you're done up as Harley? And is there a part of it that you love the most and, on the flip side, a part of it that you kind of hate? She says, funnily enough, the things that I love the most go very much in hand with the things I hate the most as well because it looks so amazing when your skin's completely white and you've got tattoos and the wig's crazy and it takes three hours to do. (laughs) So I hate that I have to. But having said that, without all the hair and makeup, I wouldn't feel like the character at all. When I am all done up and I don't look anything like myself and I start behaving very differently, uh, and it kind of does a lot of the work for you, I guess, with the whole getting into the character side of things. Um, He says, talking about the costume and the art they released, which they have released artwork of different, uh, uh, of, uh, like, gosh, why am my brain just going away? They released a bunch too, of concept art. Too much that's suicide the, squad that's news. That's the phrase I needed. That's, that's what it's um, 
they did release a bunch of concept art, and uh, I w- we will talk about that in a little bit. But they did release some art. Uh, Harley is wearing stiletto gym shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you get to push back on that at all? Like, can I wear some real shoes if I'm going to be running around? Um, what if we did something said, that yeah. actually exists? She said, yeah, when the process started. And he said, he said, twist an ankle. And she says, oh, trust me, there was a yes. And anytime anyone on set complains like, this is really hard. I'm getting tired. I'm like, everything you're doing, I'm doing in stilettos, okay? I'm doing as much as you. All these stairs are, we're walking up. I'm doing it in heels. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, to begin with, we were looking at wearing docks and flat shoes. And then we did the camera tests. And I think it was pretty unanimous that like, you'll be a lot better looking if you've got a bit of height. So that's when the powers that be stepped in and voted on a pair of heels. And then once I knew that it had to be a pair of heels, I was like, right, well, I want the most badass looking ones. And when I saw the Adidas ones, I was like, they are sick. (laughs) It all happened quite quickly. And before I knew it, I was like, okay, yeah, so that's the costume. And I walked around in them for a day and I was like, that was the worst idea ever. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Margo. <laughs> We've all done that, though. Put on a pair of shoes and thought, oh, these look really good. They feel comfortable. The next day you look at them mm. and go, hmm, they're overpriced and they're not all that comfortable. But I've already worn them through mud. <laughs> I guess they're going in the closet. <laughs> we're we're going to give this 10 bucks worth of Dr. Shells and see if they don't get <laughs> thrown away. Yeah. You ever had those shoes that, like, you just said, well, I, you've tried pretty much everything. You've thrown the $10 Dr. Shells at it. Still didn't really work out for you, so you kind of put them in the closet and think, I'll get to them again. And the next time you, like, think about them or open your closet, you look down, you're like, oh, those shoes. And they've got, like, cobwebs inside of them. Have you done that? Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Last time I did it was in high school. And ever since then, I've learned that when I don't like a shoe, I don't like a shoe. And that shit goes to uh, one of these little, like, clothes drop-off boxes. Mm. You know, every once in a while, like, I will go and taste a food that... Like, every couple of years, I taste a food that I know I don't like. Mm-hmm. Because every once in a while, my taste buds change just enough that I like them. Yep, that like, happened to me. Oh, yeah. So I kind of have the same feeling about shoes. Like, I don't know. I'm getting old. Feet are changing. Bone structure's changing. Maybe some shoes will be comfortable again. Let's see what happens. Or for the first time. <laughs> um... Anyway, he says, we've heard the actors have been really integral to developing the characters with David when you first sign on. Uh, how did the character evolve once you signed on and had input and you guys talked through the character? How different is it now that that first iteration was in the script? Um, she says, yeah, that's a, very, a good question. Like I said, I had done as much research as I possibly could. I mean, I'm still reading comics as we go. It's really hard to read all of them. Um, I, I just read this. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I doubled that one. <laughs> Write down a time to edit out. All right. Um, let's see. How wild are the scenes between you and the Joker? How would you characterize them? She says, pretty wild, crazy. I've never seen scenes like it before, personally. It's next level. People better brace themselves. It's weird. They're a fascinating couple. Honestly, I find their stuff the most exciting out of everything. I'd watch a dialogue scene between them over, like, buildings blowing up and guns, which I love that stuff as well. But when they are just... Or when they find themselves that they want to pick on is scary. Yeah, they're mis- Yeah, they're messed up. 
See, uh, with her being so attached to the Joker, how does she interact with the rest of the squad? What is her relationship with them? And how does she fit in amongst them being so completely enamored with the Joker all the time? She says, unfortunately, I mean, I was kind of banking on the fact that when Harley isn't around Joker, she's slightly less crazy than she is when she's with him. Only because there's a lot of plot points you need to get across. And there's a whole lot other list of characters that have their storylines and stuff. And I find acting 1000% crazy all the time is just totally going to distract uh, from what we need to be focusing on in that particular scene. When it's a Joker scene, she's pretty nuts because she because he brings that out in her for sure. And when it's the rest of the squad scenes, yeah, she has her moments for sure. But she's a little, I wouldn't say sensible. She's never sensible. Mm-hmm. But she's a little more focused, I suppose. Hmm. See, uh, you said you went back and read some of her stuff to prep. What uh, Was there a particular story arc that you related to, a particular run that you liked the most? She says, I was obviously really interested in all the parts of how she became Harley and how she ended up in, uh, in Arkham and why she wanted to be there. And then I couldn't really find too much more on, you know, you find bits and pieces, but with the comic books, a lot of things... Like, some coincide, and some are completely different versions, and it gets a little confusing. So you kind of have to make up and decide, oh, I'm going to go with this version or whatever. Yeah, so there wasn't... I mean, there are lots of little stories like, oh, I found that really fun. I always like her romantic romantic storylines because I'm a girl and I can't help it. But the things that I found most interesting were the parts where she had her big initial conversations with Joker. And there's a couple of bits through throughout the comics where you do flashbacks and you see their first conversations and what they talked about and why. Because I just wanted to understand why was she attracted to him or why does she love him? Hmm. And Adam says, this is something I haven't seen. But Adam says, we see the Joker in the fetal position, surrounded by all these weapons with Harley looking over him. Have you shot that scene already? And she says, no, we haven't. I saw that too. And I was like, oh, I hope they do it like that. <laughs> I mean, uh, he says, is that an Arkham? We remember seeing like all the weapons around him. Yeah, I remember him laying there, but I don't remember I don't him remember being in the being fetal, fetal position. position exactly. over. I mean, I guess it could have been just, yeah. you know, one second before that cut, so... Well, she's standing over him, though, apparently. So. Hmm. Right, that's weird. Um, he just keeps he says, a room full in... of weapons? I guess. Probably. Uh, he says, is that in Arkham? Is that an early kind of scene, you think? She says, um, no, it's not in Arkham, but it's a flashback scene. <laughs> All right. All right, so here's a bunch of things to know. This is also part of the Adam Shitwood article, or one of them. Um, this is a lot of little snippets about Suicide Squad. Um, they began talking about, I'm going to go actually, uh, if we haven't mentioned it already, I'll mention it, but I'm going to go the, in order of what he did. Uh, they began talking about the expanding universe while they were making Man of Steel, but Suicide Squad wasn't firmed up until David Ayer pitched his take on the material. The present day story of Suicide Squad, and by the way, Jason, just jump in with any thoughts you have. The present day story of Suicide Squad takes place after the events of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman and is connected to Batman v Superman in many ways. The film has a fractured narrative with a number of flashbacks that reveal more of the Joker and Harley Quinn's relationship in the world of casinos and gangsters. Hmm. The Joker as a character that's was where on they're the getting table. the. All right, that's that's probably mm-hmm. why that um, the, the actual the book is just called the uh, I think it's just called Joker. Um, uh-huh. And I've I've been told that he that, that Leto was specifically reading that one at some point. Somebody like called him with it on his phone somewhere. Um, I think that was a different one that they called him with. Was it a different one? Mm. Mm-hmm. I'd have to remember. Yeah. I think that was a it was a it was a Scott Snyder that they called him reading, Ooh. but I'm not sure. That's not bad either. But um, I think that was at least on like the list of things that uh, they were gonna take inspiration from. So early gangland days, maybe mm-hmm. look to that one. Yeah. Um, they said that. Uh, 
The Joker as a character was on the table, but they didn't want to move forward with him until they had a part worthy of a great actor and a great actor who would play the part. So they were banking him? I guess they were hoping for something like him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Joker is a true. The Joker's so iconic. Yeah. You can you can set him on the back burner and go, look, when he's right, he's right. We we're not going to eat this fruit before it's ripe, though. OK, guys? Mm hmm. Uh, the film is a true ensemble, but Deadshot is the proverbial leader, and Ayer says this is really Will Smith's movie. Huh. That worries me. It doesn't. doesn't worry me. <laughs> Not one bit. I mean, I, I I haven't enjoyed every movie that guy's ever been in, but damn it, he is good. Mm, he's Will Smith. I mean, sure. It's, it's as, very rare that he's transcended that. As you've said, he's mostly Will Smith playing so-and-so, but I tend to disagree at least during the amount of time it takes me to watch a film for like two hours he's whoever that guy is and then when i think about it later sometimes i see your point but while i'm watching i'll be like cool lawton we're good go forward right um <laughs> see. see i'm skipping over some stuff real quick i'm sorry uh, Joel Kinnaman's Rick Flagg is described as the right-hand man of Amanda Waller. Kinnaman gained 30 pounds in two months to beef up to play the character. Damn! Mm-hmm. Damn, son! They made an effort to make real, full-bodied characters instead of simply straight-up villains, but some will be more redeemable than others. The uh, av- adversaries in the film are being kept under wraps, but the producers hinted that they may not actually be pulling their own levers. Oh, okay. Now, I also heard a producer on a separate article that I didn't write down for some reason, but said that uh, the Joker is certainly one of the adversaries in the film, but that doesn't mean that he is the adversary. Which, well, I mean, it's good to hear that the, together with this good to hear comment the, makes me wonder. Sorry, what? I was going to say it's good to hear the producer confirm that, but we knew that. Mm-hmm. Just makes me wonder if the Joker is actually pulling his own strings in the movie, or at least in the present day. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently the second unit director is Guy Norris, who worked on Mad Max Fury Road. Well, I didn't, See, putting, I didn't have problems with how mm-hmm. the film was shot. Okay. Right. From all accounts, it looks like a pretty film. I, don't, I haven't seen it. It was a good looking film. I just got bored as hell. Mm. Wait for all the hate to come in after I said that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been getting it for the DKR Batman and Robin stuff. So now it's your turn, buddy boy. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll go be a punching boy for a little while. <laughs> Uh, putting Batman in the film was David Ayer's idea and desire because he has such a strong connection to so many of the characters in Bell Rev. Um, they actually chose, and this is interesting because we, you and I talked about this, like how like they're just there's no security on the Suicide Squad set mm-hmm. uh, last year, but it says well, they he- chose to shoot the outdoor Batmobile scenes, knowing full well that set photos and videos would leak, but they didn't want to compromise the integrity of practical effects and using real streets. All right. And before they before they started shooting the outdoor Batmobile scenes, they paraded it up and down the street so all the fans who had lined up could get their pictures out of the way. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> right? That's kind of cool for everybody involved. That's kind of a, an amazing marketing campaign. Yeah, yeah. I would like to have been there for that one, though. Just Who doesn't want to say that they were standing on a street corner and watched the Batmobile run by mm-hmm. at some point in your life? I wouldn't mind it. Wouldn't turn I get excited it, when I see just a... I, I get excited when I just see a black car drive by that looks kind of like the Batmobile. I have actually done that. I, I literally like pulled up next to a guy and like pointed at his car and went, yeah, man. <laughs> I forget, uh, I forget so what Scott model Eastwood. that he had blacked out everything that could possibly be blacked out. And I, kinda, I, like, I, I remember looking at the guy going, no, there's no way you're not doing this on purpose. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Scott Eastwood plays a Navy SEAL that's part of the main mission alongside the Suicide Squad, not a comic book character. Well, Rick Flagg has to have uh, some friends too, right? I guess so, yeah. Um, Ayer chose which members of the Suicide Squad would be in the movie. There was no mandate from the studio. He did collaborate with Jeff Johns um, when it came to crafting certain stories from some of the character for some of the characters. That is just always a good thing. Mm-hmm. I, you you can turn a meeting on on its head if the meeting's going very poorly and you're pitching an idea. If you just said, "Well, I did collaborate with Jeff Johns," totally different meeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, while on the set, the producers did stress, and remember, this is from last year. While on the set, the producers stress that the film has a tremendous sense of humor as a result of putting this dysfunctional family together. They were going for a lot of humor way before BVS ever, I don't know, humor flopped? What? <laughs> I, hate I can't call it a flop. <laughs> it made almost a billion dollars. They were as funny as a drunk accountant on an open mic night. <laughs> Uh, it made no David attempt Ayer. to do so, though, in all fairness to drunk accountants at open mic nights. You go, guys. No. You go do your thing. David Ayer wrote the character of Deadshot for Will Smith. Awesome, actually. Again, worrisome. No. <laughs> totally down. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Totally down with it. I don't know. I just, I'm worried that I'm going to be watching Deadshot and expecting Tommy Lee Jones to come out and hand him a noisy cricket. Nah. <laughs> nah, we can do better than that. Dave, you don't have to be jiggy. Uh, I can be jiggy for both of us. Well, here's to getting jiggy with it. Mm -hmm. sir. Uh, Deadshot is in his mask for a fair amount of time in the film. Uh, Diablo's firepowers are a mix of practical and CG effects. Awesome. His prison cell can be flooded if he starts to light up. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with Slipknot? Throw scissors in the cell? <laughs> I really like this. Uh, David Ayer would come up with new ideas on set or hand over new pages that he just wrote that ended up being an entire monologue. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a there's a love story between Rick Flagg and June Moon. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Not, none of that came across in the trailers, but okay, okay, sure. Yeah. Roll with it. Uh, Adewale Ikenawa Agbaji had to practice a lot in the mirror with his Killer Croc mask to figure out how intensely he needed to push out his facial expressions. Uh, when creating the look of Killer Croc, Ayer and Ikenawa Agbaji um, wanted to ground him in reality as much as possible, so many of the skin tones are blended with the actor's real skin tones. The full body Killer Croc makeup took six hours to put on. Jesus. I'm sorry, dude. I know. That was for research at Kenawa. For King and Country, we respect you. Yeah. He went down to the Everglades in Fort Lauderdale to watch and videotape crocodiles. This apparently led to him developing signature moves for his character when he launches into his prey. He developed a specific walk for Killer Croc that is sinuous, almost as if he's moving through water. Nice. Um, he de deliberately kept himself away from the cast so that they would be wary of him. Just wanted to he have that surprise accent. factor every time he, he came in there? I guess so, yeah. He has a Bronx accent. He worked with a dialogue coach to, do, to get it. Oh, so we're not going to do the, like, he's Southern sometimes in the books. And, like, BTAS, yeah, he has, like, a kinda, Southern affectation every now and then. Yeah, sometimes he has, like, a Southern kind of a thing. And other times it's I just, think it's just because his first name is Waylon, and the writers just think, oh, okay. Uh, he's from Tennessee. Gotcha. <laughs> right. I kind of like that, though. <laughs> it always does make me wonder what he's I doing. I mean, I gotta admit, who the I'm hell like, in Brooklyn names their kid Waylon? <laughs> well, you know, pushing against type, there is also uh, Waylon Smithers sure. on The Simpsons. That feels more Midwestern than anything, though. Mm. Although they've never admitted where. 
Right. Sure. Um, you have. I want to acknowledge <laughs> that you have. You have uh, apparently practiced pronouncing this guy's name. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm not trying to call you out. I'm trying to reward you and say, good job. <laughs> you, you, you've, you've put effort into that because it's one of the hardest names we right. have in all of our co- podcastdom to, to pronounce. Yeah. And we are pretty difficult. historically very terrible at that. So uh, I haven't even bothered to try. Good work. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So um, the back of Katana's jacket says Soul Taker. <laughs> And her costume. And we were wondering about the sword, <laughs> right? We were sitting there going, "Hmm, I wonder if they're going to go for that." Yeah, a quick, uh, quick back costume, of the head shot would have taken care of it for us. Yep, her costume is covered with calligraphy that means a thousand years, soul taker, and for him I weep. Ooh, cool. Um, I Air wanted all the Suicide Squad to come from a very gritty, uh, real-based urban world, design-wise, uh, with Joker at the top of the criminal underworld tree. Meaning the most um, pimpin'. <laughs> one of the first things costume designer Kate Hawley was asked to... By the way, I like that if you actually speak like Harley does in the animated series, the designer's act- name is Harley. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate Hawley was asked to work on was Joker's ring, which is like a papal ring. Uh, so <laughs> that sounds so right. Joker's design was inspired by bespoke Mexican cartel leaders. We have talked about that before. Yeah. Um, Apparently, one of the early ideas for Joker's tattoos was that Harley Quinn had tattooed him, scribbling on him with Sharpies and shit while he was out of it for for the night. Um, That's pretty good. uh, Apparently, the female-dominated costume department were big fans of this iteration of Harley Quinn, who in many ways is an alpha right alongside Joker, and they started out with a motto for her as a dominant woman. People like you need to fuck people like me. It may be the worst pickup line I've ever heard in my life. Right? And you know the fucked up part? On, like, at least, if you went if you went out and tried that on 50 people, I'll bet it works on one. I bet it works on more than one. It just depends on whether or not it's being said to a man or a woman, I think. Well, I, you know, you might as well, I guess, increase your odds if you're down for it. it on, I mean, in this way, it, it's, like it this the, way. it's like Harley is saying. Rather than, saying, rather than me sounding I'm, like I'm trying to limit it to one, I'm saying, go try that on 50 people. I'll bet I'll bet you go home with somebody that night. Mm-hmm. If you're Harley Quinn and you try that on 50 people, I bet you go home with 49. <laughs> that's, that's about right. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so they explored the design of Harley Quinn throughout, uh, sorry, thoroughly before settling on the final costume. Uh, they even did a mock-up of the original Jester's costume. Yeah, I actually saw that. There is a reinvention in the film uh, of the monument, sorry, of the monument, of the moment from the comics with the traditional Joker in the black and white tailcoat holding Harley. Nice. There is a scene, that, I don't know why, but this makes me happy. There's a scene in one of the Joker's clubs uh, where he has gold go-go dancers all wearing Batman masks. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of Enchantress's costume designs are rooted in North American history. Karen Fukuhara, who plays Katana, says she read through the Katana comics and Birds of Prey to prepare. Mm-hmm. And she said, I come from a very Japanese family, so it wasn't that hard to understand her as a person. To audition for Katana, Fukuhara had to perform a monologue and then do both martial a martial arts demonstration and a sword fighting demonstration. Uh, her backstory involving her family is not explicitly addressed in the film, but the soul of her 
husband is in her sword and she does have conversations with it. Gotcha. Cool. All right, the last trailer had a little moment where he went, uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katana has a strong bond with Rick Flagg. Um, apparently Will Smith would rap with the cast in between takes. <laughs> I think he just kind of does that on the fly sometimes. They must have a weird home. You know Jada Pinkett Smith has a like a hardcore metal band? No. Yeah. That's disturbing. Yeah, Fish Mooney has a hardcore metal band. This is a real thing. I'm not <laughs> lying to you. I'm not, I'm not, there's no leg pulling happening here. That's a real thing that can be found online. You can find footage of her and her hardcore metal band. Um, I'm doing that as soon as we stop this episode. <laughs> surprised you have the discipline to not stop it now. It's got to be a weird house. And it, you, and you know the thing, like they've been married for so long that you got to think they've tried to combine them just for the hell of it. I want tapes of that. Maybe. I, I say that, but like I've heard tape of like two virgins from John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and it was just maybe one of the... Like, I, I've listened to those records, and it was one of the worst things I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I say this being one of the biggest John Lennon fans I've ever met. So, um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Things get weird. I don't know, man. At one point, he's just <laughs> tapping the guitar, just like spanking it. Like You should not be able to describe any moment in any album as spanking the guitar. I want to say that that should be a euphemism for something, but I don't know what. I genuinely don't should, know what. It should be a, a euphemism for failing at a record. <laughs> or, or anything ever done by Nickelback. Oh, wow. Yeah, we uh, we should just start using that as, as uh, you know, whenever we screw up or something on the show or in life. Just like, oh, just over here spanking the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> well, we already had like a, mo- a, a, a phrase for... Oh, man, that was like the worst thing I've ever done. GM answering something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I actually do. I want to make a T-shirt now. I want to make a T-shirt for like a merch T-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, that says come spank the guitar with DC on screen. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if you guys want that, let me know. <laughs> I still want to get the um the, the shirt you were determined to do last summer about with, with the Bill Murray face. With Oh, yeah. I would have been a great Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I believe yeah. that. I fully believe that. Yeah. Um, let's see what else we have here. God, on this Suicide Squad cast, for lack of a better term. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. I promise that's the only time I'll you, ever do that. I know you're the one that's really going to be worried about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> see you in a few days, Scott. Yeah, on this... See you the 25th, Scott. What up? Uh, Will Smith... Him rapping, though, I just keep imagining he was doing it because he was like, come on, we could do this again. Like, missing the old days of when he would, like, put out a a, a hit rap single for whatever movie he was in. Oh, like, He was yeah. just auditioning for the producers all the time, like, hoping, like, You're thinking like it was... hey, I hear you guys got <laughs> XM, I hear you guys got X Ambassadors and, like, Todd Allison and the, the soundtrack could have one from Will Smith. Big Willie just Star. No, 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 okay. Okay. <laughs> I do. I wonder if he actually did try to get onto the soundtrack. Anyway. I, I um, think he has a little more dignity than that. I don't. <laughs> I actually... I saw this man on a British program rapping the Wilson, the, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air lyric, uh, song a couple of, like a year ago. Yeah, but that's actually cool. <laughs> I mean, I, like that, I have a little bit of respect for that because it's, you know, there's... Maybe, it's, maybe. It's legit in a way. It is legit in a way. And actually, it's kind of cool that he still knows all the fucking words. <laughs> like, I think I think I could do it if I was hearing the thing at the time. Like, if I was watching the opening credits, I think I might be able to actually remember all the words. Yeah. 
I I mean I know all the words. Yeah. To, even to the extended edition that was on the album. Oh dear but, God. Yep. Dear God, I didn't even know there was. A, I didn't even know there was one. Yeah. See, the truth is, I've somehow become one of the one of the biggest naysayers for Will Smith oh. because I was started out as one of his biggest fans. Oh. <laughs> he just. It was wild, wild west. Will it was wild, wild west. He just wants to and ask millennium. you now. Why don't you want me? Wild Wild West and Willinium. <laughs> that is why. A lot of people were betrayed by Wild Wild West, but uh, I mean uh, by Willinium. But let's face it, Wild Wild West was <laughs> that was John Peters. We all know that. That was John Peters shitting on two very important people at the time. Well, it was also Will Smith shitting on the Ghostbusters. Okay, well, that, yeah, that happened too. In the Wild Wild West song, he said, "Who you gonna call?" And then they go, "Not the GBs." Who the hell else would the GBs be after who you going to call? <laughs> I think we know. <laughs> All right. Moving on, no, I moving really don't have to... that big of a problem with Will Smith. I really don't. <laughs> just, just those, you just never know from just him. Just those two moments. Anyway. Moving on to, uh, I'm apparently, sure, another shitload of Suicide Squad news. Yeah. Yeah. So early designs for the Joker included the iconic purple suit. But then after Jared Leto signed on, the take on the character was evolved. So They I saw him in the suit and went, mm, yeah, we, we can do better than this. <laughs> Apparently, and I, and I kind of don't know how this works, in order to keep the film's secret secure, no one got a hard copy of the script. It was all done online. That seems antithetical. <laughs> it actually does, what yeah. What you're trying to accomplish. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't get me wrong. There are, there are many secure ways to pass a piece of digital information from one person to the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... By the way, you know why Midway City is called Midway City? Who's that? Because it falls midway between Gotham and Metropolis. Is is that for real? Is that a real thing? That's what they're saying for this movie, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't know how much I like it. At some point, I'm just like, hey, wait. So, like, everything that ever happens superhero-wise pretty much takes place in this little, like, crescent... It re- this like crescent of superhero civilization. Well, there's more. There's all kinds of other places. There's there's uh, you know presumably a map full of things. But it might as well be named like, "Hey, you hungry yet, city?" Or, "Hey, need a little bit more gas, city?" <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, we keep gas prices down just so you'll pop in and buy Doritos, city. Yeah, that's what happened. That's kind of hilarious. I guess. I don't know. Um. So Adam Shitwood talks about. Um, how they went to the war room, which was plastered with promo photos of the cast in full costume, as well as fantastically dark and violent concept art. There was a massive soundstage that was in the process of being converted into a train station that would figure into the film's third act. We've seen glimpses a, of that. Mm-hmm, with some a smaller soundstage. An organicish looking creature. Mm-hmm. With Enchantress in the middle of it mm-hmm. that we've seen now. Um... Well, with some promos that came out this week. There is a smaller soundstage that had Killer Croc's cell, his little swampy area. Um, a brief look at an outdoor set that had been converted into a Midway City street in the midst of a chaotic action set piece. That sounds like light him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, there are many different ways a Suicide Squad movie could go, but Ayer summed it up rather nicely by explaining that it's something 
Like a Batman movie from the villain's point of view, the film isn't entirely entirely linear and involves plenty of flashbacks, but the present-day scenes begin at Delrev Prison, a penitentiary located in remote Louisiana that officially does not exist. The purpose of the prison is to house individuals that have superpowers whom the government doesn't entirely understand. All of the Suicide Squad members have their own separate cells and have no interaction with each other until Amanda Waller is in need of an expendable team of assassins, that is. The Joker, meanwhile, is holed up in an old, decrepit Arkham Asylum where Harley Quinn is also being housed. Quinn is considered so psychologically dangerous that she is held in a Hannibal Lecter-style cell that's entirely open and the guards are continually rotated so that she can't get too deep inside one person's head. That's just fucking awesome. <laughs> that's just fantastic. Oh, that's good. Uh, he says the it is. I, uh, oh, wait, it, I am a little curious about this. Though. Does that? It, it sounded a little bit like the Joker's just kind of holed up in this abandoned prison where they're also keeping her. Are those those are adjunct yeah. thoughts, or are are they? I think so. So he's just like sneaking in, like they're they're bed buddies and just keeping on the DL. I don't know if he's. I don't know if it's. Uh, I think he's probably just. I don't know. As stuck in Arkham as he ever is. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like voluntarily, he's Which, just sneaking around there and and staying there. I mean, I would love the idea yeah. that like she's upstairs being held by this, uh, I mean, giant team of of government workers, and he's just downstairs in the basement torturing people. Going, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. just up there. Yeah, I don't know. I would assume he was actually uh, to some degree being kept there. It just in the trailers, it hasn't looked at any way like he was incarcerated. Well, no. I mean, there's there's one moment early on where she's still Harleen Quinzel. So, uh, but other well, than that, he looked like he was a free man. There's also a scene that came out in the new trailer that they just released today. I guess uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it had to be the third. Right? He yeah, and where he comes barreling out of a the back of what looks like a prison truck. Mm-hmm. So maybe he does escape. I don't know. But I, I see. I thought about that too. Um. Like for him, a prison truck. We're talking about a guy who wears pimp alligator purple jacket. Which, by the way, I wonder if that <laughs> offends Killer Croc. And oh, wouldn't it be amazing if it did? I would love that. Like wears pimp ass alligator jacket, but with like his it, he he isn't he wearing his like Arkham Asylum uh, scrubs for lack of a better word. I think he is at some point. Yeah, it, it, he's in like that's part of his like hey I'm I'm gonna be comfortable today and if you have a problem with it I'll kill your ass outfit. Mm-hmm. So him just driving around a prison van because he thinks it's funny that that plays to me completely yeah i have no reason to think that he's necessarily escaping because he was in that van also he's really well dressed to have just escaped prison (laughs) i just feel like he would he would have a uh a couple of thugs who would would have some people bring him a little bit of bling yeah 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 Yeah. hey guys i'm not going to make an exit from a prison van after escaping in, in in a jumpsuit you bring me the appropriate clothes right um, they also said, uh, Adam also writes, the production team was fairly guarded in terms of story, but one of the most enigmatic, enigmatic characters appeared to be Enchantress, played by uh, Cara Delevingne. We will see her full transformation in the film as she begins as June Moon, an archaeologist. She undergoes a, n- undergoes a number of costume changes that reflect her evolution over the course of the movie's runtime, and the battle between June and this supernatural being Enchantress rages within her. She has a strong connection to the Suicide Squad and form of a romantic relationship with Kinnaman's Rick Flagg. So as new promotional materials are coming out, 
and something that's said in this scene that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. It really does seem like starting to sound like it, right? It might not. Well, I don't think she's going to be the big bad. Think she's going to be the red herring? A bad. I think there's going to be three. I think they were like there is there's three. Like that producer was saying, I think there's the adversary. I think Enchantress is going to be one of them, and the Joker's going to be one of them. Sounds right. Now, in in the official synopsis, when they finally released it, it was an enigmatic character that they, mm-hmm. they used the same adjective. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not that's not a word that's in a lot of people's like toolbox. It it just doesn't come out a lot. That seems you very think it's the Riddler? <laughs> of course. Is it a mystical Riddler? Of course, I think the Riddler's there. Because he was there in BVS at Wayne Manor, and and yes, of course. (laughs) I I mean, it it obviously could be a coincidence, and it could have been someone who read the synopsis the day before and went, oh, I haven't seen that word in a while. It was on their mind. Fucking who knows? Mm -hmm. But that is a very specific word for uh, just in general. Mm -hmm. So uh, on the Joker. Also, spending a lot on her costumes means that Mm -hmm. they've invested a lot in her character, just in general. Yeah. So you take the average, and we're going to have a lot of uh, screen time with Enchantress. Also, uh, I'm down for on their little. Uh, I don't know if you were going to talk about this later or not, but they've got they've got these little like 20 second promos for each character. Yeah. Um. You you uh you sent me a link earlier, and I was delighted by each of them. Um. <laughs> I laughed at Slipknot's, but other than that, I, I laughed was, that there was one for Slipknot. <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought, oh yeah, for for the guy who it looks like is clearly going to die early on. Um. Yep. So. Two characters, though, have, like, uh, I, I can't remember if it says power level or just powers or whatever, whatever exactly mm-hmm. it says, but it, it, it says, like, amount of power roughly unknown. Enchantress uh-huh. and Diablo. They both pretty uh-huh. much say, I don't know what the fuck these guys can do. Uh-huh. Like, a lot, but we don't know what the level is. I like that it said that she was, like, 63,000, uh, or 6,313 years old, years young. Years young, yeah. I, I Diablo's, yeah. uh... Core temperature is 666 degrees. <laughs> okay. All right. The little things that make me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently um, Captain Boomerang fetish, pink unicorns. Yeah. Is that a is that a shout out to uh, to Deadpool or was Deadpool a shout out to that? Wasn't I there like a, some no kind of idea. a screwing a unicorn thing in Deadpool? One. I don't think the color <laughs> was specific. I think it was just unicorns. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, seems like there's been a lot of unicorns lately. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's just a lot of unicorns in superhuman movies, which is odd. Just odd. It is. He might dig that in the comics. I sounds familiar, but I'm just I'm getting it, old. I can't. It I can't might remember be. It, at all. it might end up being historically a major joke about how this period of all this uh, super uh, media is is a unicorn. Just just a little subliminal joke that we all didn't notice until 50 years later when we couldn't find Batman any damn where on screen. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, jo- jumping over to the Joker, what Adam says about him, he says, when Ayer met with the producers and Warner Brothers uh, executives for the film, all ideas were on the table. It was Ayer, however, who really wanted to include Joker in the narrative, and he worked heavily alongside Leto to develop this iteration of the Joker. He went through many permutations, and we saw plenty of concept art that showed the evolution of these concepts. I would kill to see that concept art. I really would. <laughs> yes. Most striking was the character's signature purple suit, 
which they originally planned to include, but after Leto signed on and the character evolved, it no longer suited this version of the villain. Leto is a method actor, and everyone we spoke to on set told us he remained in character the entire time he was on set. Ayer admitted that he had been keeping Leto separate from the rest of the cast during production in order to further enhance their performances, and given how intensely he worked with Leto during the development of the character, he was able to direct Leto and Slash Joker on set using a verbal shorthand. Oh, wow. Joker's Joker's tattoos are one of the first noticeable differences Ayer and Leto brought to the character, and some of the early designs worked from the idea that Quinn would scribble on Joker with a Sharpie while he was out of it in Arkham. This idea, like many others on the production, evolved over the course of the development. A recurring theme on set seemed to be Ayer's willingness to change and alter things. He was not married to an idea simply because it was worked out months earlier. I like that a lot. Yep. That makes me happy. Yep. Um, something that was kind of fun and actually did not concern me about Will Smith, though. Will Smith says that uh, his role in Ali helped him build Deadshot. He says, I was there when they were building him. These are the stunt ones, but they are actual Glocks, real guns that actually fire. I got to go to the gun range and fire them for real. So there's a crazy weird kind of power thing having them strapped on and actually shooting them. And you get the real sensation, you know, of what it would be these fake these are fake pointing the guns at the group laughing there's the that uh, you still shouldn't do that will there's the martial arts and you know for me ask brandon lee there's the martial arts and you know oh <laughs> dave <laughs> there's the martial arts and you know for me it was cool coming from i was using the base that i got from ali from boxing so i wanted boxing to be able to punch and shoot so that's sort of the fighting style. It's a punch and a shoot. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool and it's fun. It's like something you've never really seen before. So you get the same movements. Like, bang, throws quick punches, ending with gunshot. He's like, really? It's like little boy heaven. Which <laughs> is a phrase, by the way, that I never wanted to hear. But I always thought I'd hear it from Michael Jackson instead of Will Smith. It's like little boy heaven. <laughs> No, no, no. That's one of those phrases that it, it should be so naive that Will Smith is just thinking about like, yeah, when you're in the backyard being like, I'm going to beat you up. Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. No, this is the time when it was okay for that phrase to appear. Um, <laughs> Neverland Ranch was not the time. Yeah. that You know, in, in this it, day and I, age of sound bites, that's the last thing you want to say in the middle of a sound bite. I, I, yeah, I, I could see that. But still, it. it I kind of agree with him just in general. Like you're, you're, I don't know if you ever did this, man. I don't know. But like, I remember kind of like you're in the backyard with like some other six year old and like y'all are having uh-huh. fake sword fights with like two pieces of freaking, I don't know, dowels. If you have them, but if you're lucky enough <laughs> to be able to hit uh-huh. each other real with real things or like the inside of paper towel rolls, you know, whatever the hell you have, you're in there like having sword fights and blah, blah, blah. And like one person's like, and my sword's a gun now. Pew, pew, pew. And you're thinking, well, that's bullshit. But you know, for him, it could work. Yeah. And with his little, I was the kid that you can totally see him kind of going pop, 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 left, right, little bit of a jab. Oh, by the way, shot to the head. Yeah, yeah. I hated when kids did that shit. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I I didn't enjoy it. I was like the kid that was like, no, those are not the established rules of this game. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Good lord, this is already the length of a regular news episode if we covered everything and we're not past Suicide Squad. I know. Uh, on Harley's outfit, the concept art shows two different costumes uh, that she could have worn. Uh, Kate Hawley, the costume designer, uh, 
says she got the idea for Harley's costumes by looking at Instagram accounts of Mexican drug cartels and the attire that rock and roll icons like Debbie Harry, Courtney Love, and Patti Smith wore. Um, Harley's sex appeal came from her own sense of style. She didn't dress uh, sexy to impress the Joker or anyone else. She's a girl's hero, Holly said. Oh, dog. <laughs> that scared me. Story, um, by the way, actually is a girl and was yeah. not impressed with the costume. Right. Uh, she's a girl's hero, Holly said. It was understanding how do we make her feel sexy by owning it as opposed to what a man thinks is sexy. Um, Adewale Akinawa Agbaji is talking about Killer Croc's tortured childhood. He says, we're not just, uh, we're not about just making this beast. We're making him, uh, we're making a being. He's somewhat tortured and abused from his childhood. It dictates, it dictates, it dictates his reactions from him wanting to go underground. He's always been ostracized and ridiculed for how he looks. What he's done is embrace that. Instead of saying, I'm ugly, he says, I'm beautiful. Instead of going underground as if he's hiding, he says, this is my kingdom. He's kind of reversed some of his of this childhood abuse into allowing him to become what he is, which is really the next really kind of great over Gotham. Like, huh? Really fantastic, actually. Yeah. Not just the uh, ostracized. Like He's become Flipper Boy. <laughs> uh, that's really what his ultimate goal is. Uh, one of the reasons is probably because, obviously, power, respect, but people liking him. And if you don't, you're going to have to if he's got power. So all those pl- elements play into it. <laughs> he's um, relatively and invincible this... and giantly strong. So might want to consider have, uh, having a good relationship with him. Yeah, In general? Apparently, this iteration of Killer Croc... Um, Sculpts cats. Sculpts cats. <laughs> yep. He uh, he says um, the anti-elf. Yeah, and they talk about how he lo- he has a soft side for children. Again, flipper boy. Um, <laughs> but uh, he I, says I think if they went back and pulled from that episode, fuck yeah, man. Right. But on the on the cat crafting, the, uh-huh. he says I think it's pretty much how he expresses himself. He's very primal, carnal. He's a creature. And those felines, those are his brethren. And so if he's making sculptures that reflect that, it may be a pet that he may have had when he was a child. Things like that. He's very creative. Again, another aspect that you're going to see him just, or that you're going to see to him just when you think you've got him pegged, he does something very surprising and makes these beautiful sculpted pieces. It's a testament to the gentle, creative side of him. David is very much about bringing that out and juxtaposing it with the visceral, vicious, barbaric creature that he has to be when he needs to be. That is fantastic. Yeah. Please and yes. Um, so here is a Suicide Squad scene description. Um, this, I'm just going to read you what this guy wrote here. Uh, during I, a set visit to Suicide Squad... What? This is still, like, most of what we've discussed in the last... God, it's been an hour. Um, mm-hmm. Has been in the morgue for, like, a year, right? Mm-hmm. So this is still... It was it was embargoed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During a set visit to Suicide Squad's filming locations outside of Toronto last summer, uh, comicbook.com, this is comicbook.com, mm-hmm. and select other press got to take an in-depth look at much of the Midway City that had been built. After seeing a few of the cell blocks at Bell Rev Prison, a mystical mystical cave, I don't know what that is, but a mystical cave, everyone. I don't know. The third act, yeah. The third act climactic location, the third act climactic location of the train station and a peek at the John Ostrander Federal Building. We went outside to walk the streets of Midway City and see a scene being shot 
firsthand. The city is a, ter- is a fairly typical sprawling metropolis. Toronto stands in for the city in some scenes that were shot on location, with high rises that make for massive outside corridors. A crashed helicopter down the road is surrounded by the now infamous black goo, which we also saw in the costumes of the eyes of the adversary, the enemy foot soldiers of the film, in the train station and elsewhere. The street ends at Petty McTipsy's bar, which we see in the trailers, becomes a staging ground of sorts. Here are the spoilers, the big spoilers. In the scene taking place around the end of the first act of the film, the squad has been sent out on their mission. They have not, however, been told what it is exactly they're going up against. Standing out in the rain, Deadshot stops and starts to argue with Flag. You know exactly what we're walking into, don't you? Deadshot asks. I'll tell you what you need to know. That's how things work. You know I own a Ford pickup truck with a blown engine? Not everything is relevant, Flag responds. In a moment of levity, Harley walks up to the two of them and peeks between them. Hi, guys. Lover spat? She says with a smile. Deadshot dismisses her and turns back to Flag, saying, Tell everybody everything. They need to know. It seems Deadshot found a dossier in the crash that gave him a better idea of what it is that they're walking into. Three days ago, a non-human entity appeared in a subway station. First, they sent the cops. It killed them. Then they sent the army. Killed them, too, Flag explains. Then they sent me and a woman with incredible abilities. A witch, as in brooms and black cats. Nobody could get near this thing, and the witch could. So the plan was to hand her an anti-demolition charge. She drops it at his feet, and we fly economy back to D.C. Needless to say, the whole thing was a bad idea. Now you know. With that, Boomerang confirms it. The squad is going after Enchantress, and whatever the adversary is. There's no one the smallest bit concerned about going to war with a witch and a giant magic monster... All cause some old duck is dead, he asks. Then they head into the bar out of the rain to grab a drink and figure out what the next step is. That's fantastic. You knew the bar scene was going to be the, like, things got yeah yet too contentious and we're going to bring it all back and, and bond a little bit scene. Mm-hmm. Um, money's there. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that all sounds good. That all sounds good. It I, does. I find myself getting wrapped up even as I hear the lines. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm an easy date, we have... Dave. An easy date. <laughs> so, that wraps our Suicide Squad news for the Shit, week. Shit, you're kidding me. Yeah. All right. Under Wonder Woman. Okay. <laughs> the Wonder Woman synopsis has officially been announced. Uh-huh. Um, Wonder Woman hits movie theaters around the world next summer when uh, Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, I always say it wrong, Gal Gadot returns as the title character in the epic action-adventure from director Patty Jenkins. Before she was Wonder Woman, she was Diana, Princess of the Amazons, trained to be an unconquerable warrior. Mm-hmm. Raised on a sheltered island paradise, when an American pilot crashes on their shores and tells of a massive conflict raging in the outside world, Diana leaves her home, convinced she can stop the threat. Fighting alongside man in a war to end all wars, Diana will discover her full powers and her true destiny. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, last week we talked about this. The Wonder Woman screenwriters were announced. Yeah. And they said it was Alan Heinberg and Jeff Johns. Well, apparently, that while that is true, the story that the, uh, the script was based on was written by Alan Heinberg and Zack Snyder. Wait, what? So... What, what? Yeah. That's just confusing. Or did just, just, just threw Jeff Johns in there to, to validate something? No, no, that's not what happened. The story... The story was written by Zack Snyder and Alan Heinberg. Oh. And then, it looked like it looks like Alan Heinberg wrote a... Uh, <laughs> took a swipe at the script. Took a first draft. And then 
And then, yeah, and then Jeff Johns took a swipe at the script. Oh, all right, we're in good hands. We're fine. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. But that said, you know. Even the people who are completely off on Zack Snyder right now, come on, man. Jeff Johns. Oh, yeah. Jeff Johns took a swipe at it. You'll be all right. Also, you know, um, there are a lot of people kind of bitching and moaning on the, on the internet right now about how, like, not one woman wrote the thing for the thing. And then, you know, I saw a number of people were mad because uh, no one, uh, they're like, no, why am I not hearing that, or why am I uh, seeing that no one is mentioning that Alan Heinberg is gay? Well, there you go. I've, I've mentioned it. I don't know what it means. But <laughs> it's completely irrelevant to anything that's happening I right know. now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that was a big thing on Twitter earlier this week. But okay. I, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's also news to, to like, right. people not in his life. Like, what? hell <laughs> i don't know if that's like a thing like, he's not a straight man that means he's qualified to write a woman's movie I, that I is not at all what that means just i don't know not even not, Which not even I'd like to point out world close to what that means eh, never mind <laughs> so uh, you know going along with this sort of line here uh wonder woman uh you know what i've actually just i actually started thinking of her as wonder woman gal gadot or gal gadot that's fine uh, explained yeah, yeah. Uh, explained in an interview with Entertainment Weekly why she thinks uh, that Wonder Woman needed a female director. She says, I think only a woman who has... Sorry. The uh, the movie is a story about a girl becoming a woman. I think only a woman who has been a girl can be able to tell the story in the right way. I'm lucky in that I've worked with men who have a lot of respect for women, but working with a woman is different. Is a different experience. It feels like the communication is different. We talk about emotions. <laughs> I kind of wish she could have worked with David Ayer. <laughs> oh, God. She might at some point. This saga has not she been might. told. <laughs> um... So, so what was Jared it like Leto when posted... your entire, uh, uh, you know, island ostracized you? Like, it's the first thing he's going to ask her. Yeah. It's like when you were 12 that... and something weird happened and, like, everyone in your life left you. What was that like? Yeah. By the way, speaking of Wonder Woman, has it, does it, has it at all at any point, I know it's nitpicking, but has it at all at any point bothered you that she doesn't have blue eyes? Not even a little. That's one of those things where I'm like, okay, yeah, it's fine. I'm not saying she shouldn't be Wonder Woman. That's fine. No, for two reasons. Why wouldn't reasons. they give her contacts? Why wouldn't they give her contacts? <laughs> for two reasons. One, um, I don't give a shit. And two, I have a, a like a genuine problem remembering eye colors. Oh, okay. I mean, I... Well, see, I don't. I, I just do. Like, I, I couldn't... I, like, how long did I live with you? Like two years, two and a half years, something like that. I I don't know what your mm. eyes are colored. I have no idea. I have had to like rote memorize what what my wife's eyes color uh, eye colors are because she keeps mm-hmm. looking at me and scowling every time I don't know. So I had to just sit there and like repeat it until I memorized it. <laughs> I I for some reason do not remember eye colors. It's a weird blank spot in my memory. Right. I can remember if somebody has crazy eyes, what they do with their eyes. I I, I can I can give you personality like concepts, yeah. but not color. Don't know why. It's just, uh, it's one of those things where, like, every iteration I've seen of Wonder Woman has had, like, blue eyes. I, I don't know why. It's just it's weird for me know, a for, little bit. Like Somehow I remember them as, like, brown eyes half the time. I don't fucking know, man. I, I'm it, I'm not the person to ask on that, though. Mm. I just feel like she should have blue contacts that Zack Snyder can then, you know, desaturate. <laughs> <laughs> so she can have navy blue eyes. Right. Um... <laughs> So Jared Leto posted a Joker selfie from a London set, apparently. Woo! Listen to that. I'm already excited. I haven't even seen him. Know what's, uh, know what's shooting in London right I now? I do know what's shooting in London right now. 
So um, <laughs> I'll finish the, 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 the push for you. The Joker may be making an appearance in the Justice League. Yeah. Part maybe. one. Well, there's no part one, they've said. It's oh, that's standing, right. They're going to do, do their yeah. own standalone movie. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still, uh, over I'll to believe s- that when I see it. Yeah, jumping over to I believe it. I don't, you know. But anyway, jumping over to standalone pre-labeled part one and part two for like years in pre-production. I I just I'll believe it when I get to the end of part. I'm gonna still call it part one when I get to the very end of part one and go. That felt like a complete movie. (laughs) Um, So this is totally rumor, but Batman on Film dot com, which are Mm -hmm. usually pretty dependable, um, is saying that. The solo Batman movie is going to involve Batman being locked up in Arkham for at least a portion of the film. Fantastic. So I don't know. I mean, as far as I know, it's still a rumor at this point. Um, I here's the thing though, like um, the rumor that's out there is, oh, we're gonna do Arkham Asylum, and like people have pulled the game Arkham Asylum. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I no, pull the book Arkham Asylum. Like that's the thing you should be hoping mm-hmm. for. I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved the game Arkham Asylum, written by Paul Dini. This, this is these are great things. But the book, mm-hmm. the Grant Morrison book, are you kidding me? Yeah. Pray for that, kids. A serious house on serious earth. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what you want in your life. I don't want an adaptation of that because that was largely in Batman's head. If you're to believe Grant Morrison, I don't care if it's an adaptation or in anything. If you take some of the instincts and inspirations for that, even I'm I'm good. Sure. Well, if all you took sure. was Harvey Dent being in there and him having like this this uh, dichotomous OCD, mm-hmm. and just expand it, like even even some of the simple uh, storylines in that are just 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 Grant Morrison level good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean I I agree. But, you know, like I said, it's rumor. Also rumor, though, Don't wrong. is the, that the... Like, the backfall here is like, oh, we got the Paul Dini version? Oh, no. What will we do with our lives? Uh, fucking, okay. <laughs> I'm right. not jumping off a bridge, man. <laughs> All right. So moving on, still on the, the solo Batman project here. No. Um, Matt Damon has said that he would be in a superhero movie if Ben Affleck directed it. Mm-hmm. And the internet kind of lost their shit for a minute. Of course. But uh, this is a rumor. But this is, it comes from Umberto Gonzalez uh, from over there on Heroic Hollywood. Which means that if I was invited to a to the set of any production and they handed me a script and I was able to read it. And then the next day Umberto Gonzalez came out and said something that contradicted it. I would probably believe Umberto Gonzalez. Because this dude just like somehow knows all the things. Um he he gets the scoops. He's very rarely wrong. He seems to think that Matt Damon is going to become is going to be playing a Batman villain in the in the standalone. And it should be Harvey Dent. It should be Harvey Dent. Jamie Tannock, uh one of our Facebook followers, said I think it might be Harvey Dent. So I, I told them I would give them a shout out because that is a great, great call. And you're yeah, absolutely correct. It should be Harvey Dent. It just it just should but, be. Um, but yeah, now he, Umberto said this during like a Periscope and they were like, oh, you got any scoops? And he, you know, said, he thinks, you know, he's like, oh yeah, Matt Damon uh, is probably going to be a Batman villain. Oh, was that a scoop? So, I, it, I don't know. It may come to, it may, it may come to fruition. I, I, Matt Damon, like so many other people who's tried to be Batman <clears throat> born movies, would really <laughs> love to be involved in this. <laughs> right. 
Um, and I think it would be great to actually see him as a Harvey Dent who was friends with Bruce Wayne. Oh, it would be fantastic. Since and he that, and it, Ben it, Affleck are best friends. You know damn well they could do the chemistry on it. And yeah, like the, it, the, the worst part would be them keeping their accents out of the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would be difficult. <laughs> Keep the Boston out. Like they, that would be hard for him. But other than that, like he, could, I don't think he could look be. like a Harvey Dent. Yeah, I know they could both do it. But like it, he, he could look like a Harvey. No problem. No problem yeah. whatsoever. And yeah, Matt has done a couple of a couple of crazy roles. I, I think he could totally do it. I mean, absolutely. I, I, I Have guess you seen I could, the talented like, Mister Ripley? Yeah, he's good, man. Yeah, he's good. I know he's got the range for it. No objections on my end. Yeah. Are uh, you ready to jump into TV? Oh, for God's sake, yes. <laughs> Did you forget we have TV? <laughs> I, I forgot it even existed for a little while there. <clears throat> At this point, TV is, it consists of uh, Stranger Things. That's all I've heard about for, like, days. For what? Stranger Things. Have you heard about that on Netflix? No. Oh, yeah, I have heard about that, yeah. Um, you know how just yeah, every now and then, yeah. like, every person you've ever known erupts in, in this, this violent discharge if you should watch this? Mm-hmm. Apparently, Stranger Things. Okay, so help me. Well, I'm right watch now, it. right now, I'm Netflix binging on The Wonder Years. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I am, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, pitch this at least once right now. I am rewatching Constantine on CWC. Mm, that does work with our uh, our TV segment here. If there's a TV segment you'd like to go into later that will let me expound upon that, we shall do so. Oh, I'm really excited. Guess what they they announced? Go forth. They're gonna like Netflix is going to be like the international go-to place for all Star Trek series. They're nice. gonna be playing the new show. They're gonna be playing the new show. So you, how long? Uh, so immediately or? If I understand it correctly, like twenty-four hours after it comes out, oh, they'll have it up. They're gonna the Hulu episode. it. If I understand what I read correctly, nice. Yeah. All right. So details remain to be seen, but theoretically, mm-hmm. the seven ninety nine you're already paying for Netflix might get you the new Star Trek series instead of having to go mm-hmm. pay what was it like five bucks a month for CBS? Right. I wouldn't five ninety nine something like five ninety nine. Shit, it's another dollar. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, <laughs> for me, not worth it because I was just thinking, do I have to pay that much to watch Supergirl? I'm getting a DVR. Fuck this shit. <laughs> All right. So Gotham has cast. They're Jervis Tetch. The Mad Hatter has been cast, y'all. Ooh, who we got? Benedict Samuel. I know not of him. And I will look he up. played the wolf in The Walking Dead. Oh. I do not know him, because I don't watch that. Um, oh. Yeah, he was also in uh, The Walk with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He was in uh, Australia's oh. The Beautiful Lie. He was in Secret City, uh, The Stanford Prison Experiment, Asthma, Home and Away. He's in a bunch of stuff. I see. Also, dude has great hair. Mm. So yeah, so let's absolutely let the guy with great hair put on a top hat and play Jervis Tech. Tetch, sorry. <laughs> Tetch. Um, there's also been a Gotham poster that was released that has an owl mask. And above the owl mask, it says, all will be judged. <laughs> it is It is a chord after all, right? Right. <laughs> What's funny is just a year ago when we started this podcast, they were like, well, maybe we could do the Court of Owls. Maybe someday. Oh, no. Uh, they are just balls deep in it now. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Their taints are being tickled with owl feathers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn sure you need at least a vinegar and an oil to do that, but okay. Right. 
Um, <laughs> so Supergirl casting news, casting news that I'm really excited about. They've cast Snapper Carr. Yeah. Um, they w- <laughs> I saw that. Who, who we got? They went with uh, Ian Gomez. Now this guy is on um, Cougar Town. I don't know him that from that guy. I know him. He's on as Javier. Thing. I know him as Javier on Felicity. And he was like my favorite character. He was like the, I, I can't remember if they actually ever outed him on the show, but he very much played it gay. Yeah. Um, boss of Felicity who works at the coffee shop. But he like, he hit those comedic beats, man. He hit all the comedic beats, but he wasn't just like, I don't know. What, uh, he wasn't just like token gay joke either he was like he had a lot lot of heart he cared about those people in the show and he like really portrayed that well so he was always one of the 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 highlights for me on felicity he actually knew how to play all the beats the emotional beats that he needed i uh, am really happy that he's gonna be snapper car like like for me it was drew carey show okay and then i i found that he was also on the norm show (laughs) <laughs> I still need to go back and watch the Norm show. You do need as to go back and I, watch the Norm show. <laughs> as much as I love Norm Macdonald. You do. You, you have, <laughs> you have a, a, a very serious attraction to Norm Macdonald, which I cannot judge and would not, even if I could. He might. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched the man do anything, and I don't know why I haven't seen the Norm show. I don't know. If you're I've at the point where it. you think Dirty Work was a great movie, you'd need to go ahead and watch the Norm show. I do think Dirty and Work was do. a great movie. And you do. I know movie. you do. So just go ahead. <laughs> like some, I have been known on more than one occasion to sit down and watch Dirty Work and then follow it up with a viewing of Screwed. Of course you should. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I've seen bits and pieces of the Norm show and Norm just laughed fantastic. my ass off. It was, it was uh, the guy who ended up, I'm, I'm just going to say the guy who, or the girl who, the guy who ended up being in... Um, one of the Law and Orders, uh, name mm-hmm. unknown to me. I I don't think he's the guy from Alf, but he looks like the guy from Alf, and I think he might be the guy from Alf. Uh, okay. Don't judge me, people. Sorry. Um, <laughs> balding guy. Some of you are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and then uh, I think it was Jackie from Roseanne. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was on the show. Like it. It was Norm, this guy, her, and that guy that were the main guys, uh, main people. Okay. Um. Fantastic, actually. Really, really funny stuff. And Wiener Dog. Lest we forget Wiener Dog. <laughs> That's one of those phrases that Norm just likes. He named his dog Wiener Dog. I know, but I like mean, when you go back into the 80s, oh, and, and his you actually look at some of his old... No, he thought the entire thing was hilarious, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> he would talk about Wiener Dog. Yeah, Wiener Dog. Like, he just, I think he just likes the phrase Wiener Dog. I think he does. He likes the idea of a Wiener he Dog. Th- it, yeah. Anyway. He, uh... In one episode, he he strapped like a, a like a, a duster to the bottom of his wiener dog, so the wiener dog, while he was running around at like alone, could could do some actual work. <laughs> and yeah, his hardwood looked fantastic. Apparently, oh, that's great. I did enjoy it on the show. <laughs> a fancy aside, but yeah, the guy who uh, was his uh, best friend slash. Uh, social worker that actually gave a damn in that show was pretty great. Mm-hmm. It, 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 pretty much a straight guy in the show. I mean, mm-hmm. that comedically. Um, pretty much the, the pretty much the straight guy as far as the humor went. But um, yeah, good. He's always amused me. He really has. Well, good. Even even a one-off in, in Reaper, which I will keep pushing because why the hell not? <laughs> I'm the guy. I haven't seen Reaper. I'm the guy now. I haven't seen Reaper. In all of the world, just... I'm the guy saying, go watch Reaper! No, you know what? You you have been that guy for me 
for years now. You're like, Reaper! And I'm like, it doesn't have an ending. And you're like, but Reaper. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then you're like, you know, better off Ted. And I'm like, oh, okay, but it doesn't have an ending. And you're like, it doesn't, but better off Ted. And okay, that goes through like all of the Brian Fuller shows. Huh? Better off Ted doesn't necessarily require an ending. Like, you're the one that's pushing all these Brian Fuller shows on me that don't have that. endings. I admit that fully. Freaking, uh... But they do get picked up in other shows and all that. It's... it's that Jason Lee show that didn't, I can't name. remember the name of for some okay. reason that didn't right. get My name is Earl. Got, got an that's ending it. if you watch Raising Hope. <laughs> which doesn't have an ending. <laughs> like, at all. No. 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 This isn't happening in my life. All right. Moving on. Um... <laughs> okay, oh, by the way also reaper does have an ending if you read like the ama from i think the producer i am not watching a bunch of episodes just to have to go to an ama for my damn series finale no i'm so sorry super cat supergirl has cast their maggie sawyer they uh cast uh floriana lima mm-hmm. um she was in she's appeared in uh terminator the sarah connor chronicles she's been in how i met your mother She's been in My Own Worst Enemy, Ghost Whisperer, Privileged, Melrose Place, House MD, The Mob Doctor, Psych, Hawaii Five O, and The Family. So just everything. Uh, so, uh, shocker, Kevin Smith wants to direct Supergirl. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? <laughs> yeah, Smith says, I'll go there in a heartbeat. I heard whispers of Supergirl. I would love to go up there, especially now that it's on the CW and you get to cross-reference other shows and shit like that. Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Smith just wants to direct whatever they'll let him direct, I think. I, I think he just fell in love with The Flash and decided the rest of it was okay. Yeah. I mean, he had openly said that yeah. like he hadn't watched The Flash and he hadn't watched Arrow. And like it, and he even kind of had like a Stephen Amell Goldust kind of feel to like, ah, oh, well, I mentioned Arrow and they said this and blah, blah, blah. And it, it felt like a bunch of like useless bravado in the room almost <laughs> in a way. And I think there might be a hint of it still. Really, he's yeah. He wants to he wants yeah. to play with the other ones, but like they're they're trying to play nice, and Amel's trying to say like uh, we'd like to have him. Oh come on, let's just go ahead and admit it. Kevin Smith is going to come direct a bunch of episodes of all your shows. Let's just all go ahead and admit it. <laughs> because a he knows what he's doing, and b he knows what he's doing. Right, just throw him over there. All right, so uh, the Flash. The season two soundtrack for The Flash was announced. Uh-huh. Um, uh, La La Land Records is going to be putting that out. Mm. Uh, full of the uh, wonderful Blake Neely music that uh, graced our ears in season two. They already have a season one uh, edition out. So that'll be coming out later this month. Uh, have you seen... Please tell me you have seen the badass pictures of uh, Keenan Lonsdale as Kid Flash. I have. And I giggled. <laughs> I squealed. I thought about squealing. I squealed. I was tired. I made a noise. So I giggled instead. I made a I made a noise that I'm pretty sure I heard a Pokemon make earlier that day. It might have just been Pokemon in your room Go. at the time and you didn't right. you didn't realize you were hearing it. Yeah. Have you given the Pokemon Go a shot yet? Yeah, we downloaded it just to see and sure enough there were like two Pokemon in the room we were standing in. <laughs> it's kind of addicting. And I thought, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like my exact, my exact words at the time. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> gosh. By the way, that shit's so, gotten uh, weird. Like, like I, people have been arrested. 
um, <laughs> for trespassing yeah. because they're searching for Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, no. Apparently, you can it's set up amazing. like beacons where there are Pokemon uh, available to be found, and uh, some enterprising young gentlemen were using that to mug people when they showed up looking for those Pokemon. Uh huh. This shit has gotten weird, yeah. guys. <laughs> I understand that everyone's actually like out and about and walking around, but there are good and bad reasons to do it. And being out yeah. and walking around is a good thing. Being out and walking around distracted is the way you get hit by cars. Yeah. Where I live, there are not many Pokestops where you can obtain more Pokestops. balls and other items. Um, <laughs> so uh, on my way home from work, there are like two or three Pokestops that are uh, at the AUM campus. And one of them is on uh, a soccer. Well, two of them are on a soccer field. But you kind of have to drive a little deep to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um and it was really late at night, and I went down and I grabbed a few Pokeballs, and uh, a cop kind of cut me off, <laughs> and like got out and came up to my door, and <laughs> basically, as I was like, uh, "Good evening, officer," and he went Pokemon, and I went, I just held up the phone with the Pokemon on. He's like, oh, "All right, have a God. good night." <laughs> I heard a story about uh, a cop that actually went to stop somebody for trespassing and they were like oh i'm playing pokemon and, and he was like oh holy shit is there are there some over here and pulled out his phone oh that's <laughs> fantastic <laughs> so yeah the world has gotten strange people it has um what what we're trying to express is a, a very quick and uh and uh yeah. divertive psa about pokemons uh don't do anything stupid cops are still cops yeah property's still property yeah. and go have your fun um yeah but for God's sake, I wasn't sake, vandalizing anything. For God's sake, the real world is just, it, it. It's still the real world. Like, mm-hmm. don't 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 walk into traffic. Just just don't. That's weird. Don't do that. Just don't do that. <laughs> Please enjoy your game. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Stephen Amell posted a picture of what appeared to be Oliver shirtless. Well, he was shirtless. It wasn't appeared. He was shirtless. He's normally he, shirtless. It appeared. <laughs> It appeared that he was about to be like in some sort of a underground fighting thing, probably in Russia, I would assume. But he's got kind of longish hair, and he's all scarred up and whatnot. So ah, that yeah. might have been right before, said, right before the he wrote, Here <laughs> he wrote, "Here's your season five poster." So all right, well, at least the island's doing something this time. Maybe so. Yay! And by the island, I, mean I would have said the, the same flashbacks? thing if, if I had. Yeah, if I had seen pictures of him in like that military gear, where holding a gun in the uh, island flashbacks of last year, I'd have been like, "Oh, finally they're gonna do something." Nope, nope, complete nonsense. So I remain suspicious. Yeah, <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow. The first episode has been uh, the first episode title has been released. Katie Lotz uh, or Sarah Lance, if you will, uh, shared an image. Even of the if script. you won't, because it's not up to you. And it is called Out of Time, and apparently it will be directed by Dermot Downs. The story uh, came from Greg Berlanti and Chris Fadak. The teleplay, unfortunately, was penned by Mark Guggenheim. That's not uh, a bad thing. It is a bad thing. No, it's not. He he breaks stories just fine. He just 
lies to us. He lies to us. You know what? You know what? Have you heard the thing that he did this week that made people pissed off? He's also writing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Marvel comic. Okay, that's either awesome or betrayish. I don't know. Uh Uh-huh. And he put up a picture, uh, one of these promo pictures, Entertainment Weekly promo pictures of Wonder Woman that came out mm-hmm. in the last few weeks of like Wonder Woman doing like the cross arms like she has since like her inception and puts it up like next to a picture of Electra. Yeah, puts it up next to a picture of uh, Electra that's holding her size uh, that looks kind of similar and goes, hmm, like Wonder Woman's ripping off Electra who's in his stupid Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comic. And I'm like, dude, you're what? Are you seriously trying to imply this? And, you know, people kind of went up and got up in arms about it. Yeah. He's, like, kind of implying that they're ripping off Electra somehow with Wonder Woman. Like, no, eh. I'm sorry. No, the the crossed bracelets look is is always going to be Wonder Woman's. <laughs> yeah. All, I don't like, know. I mean, uh, for decades now, going to be Wonder Woman's. I mean, there was that period where she was the secretary for the Justice League and everything. But after that, she started getting a little... Well, even then, she did the bracelets. <laughs> she had them on, but I'm not right. sure she actually, like, repelled bullets with them. No, she used them to deflect paper clips. <laughs> and you have to do that in an office. <laughs> you know, you can do that thing with a stapler yeah. where you open it straight up and, like, shoot it at people. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if that... He's trying... Like, Guggenheim has tried to say that he wasn't really trying to do any... I don't know. I, I don't believe him, necessarily. <laughs> Um, I yeah. just generally don't believe anything he says. So, yeah, it, you know, and very would, roughly, this whole story it, means mm, nothing to me because it basically right. culminates in whether I believe him on anything, and the answer is no. So, right. Uh, so I'm gonna uh, end out uh, TV with some big rumors, and uh, Bleeding Cool is the one that's, that's claiming this stuff. Thinking of where you're going. Bleeding Cool is saying that because they've got Maggie Sawyer, they're probably going to bring on her lover, Batwoman. Uh, and also Barbara Gordon might be showing up on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And John Constantine might be showing up on Legends of Tomorrow or The Flash or Arrow. Depending, They did say depending on how well CWC uh, views go. So go drink that shit in, guys. Nope. Um let me go back to an original pitch, and I God, I wish I'd put this at like the like the, the front of the cast. Um, let me go back to something I I mentioned. CWC has Constantine right now, season one. Mm-hmm. That shit has autoplay. Mm-hmm. Guys, cheat, fucking cheat. Uh, if you want to go back and watch the show, great. Go watch the show. It's actually pretty entertaining. We loved it. Cheat at the very least, just to help us. Like it, it, it. I don't care if you like watched episode one and thought, "Oh, I hate this shit." I I don't care. I, like if you at least even were okay with Matt Ryan doing John Constantine, just hop on, hit play, and then hell, you can hit mute. You, like for for mm-hmm. most most uh you know browsers these days, you can hit mute for even a tab. You can still continue to do <laughs> your 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 entire uh, web surfing live. Just throw it on the background. It will play all, what is it, 13, 14 episodes? Mm, 13, I think. I, I want to say 13. 13 yeah. Uh, you, you can just let all 13 episodes play, and they will get the numbers they need, mm-hmm. and you will have voted at that point. Right. Just press play. Now, uh, apparently, you know, because of the recent contracts with Wentworth, Wentworth Miller and John Berriman, where they're uh, regulars across four different shows, they're Bleeding Cool, which does have a really good track record when it comes to these types of rumors, uh, says says that a uh, such a contract has been offered to John Wesley's ship, 
um, who I, you know, as everyone knows, played Dr. Henry Allen before, well, spoilers, his character was killed, but he also is Jay Garrick on The Flash. So, seeing as how the Justice Society of America is going to be showing up in Legends of Tomorrow, yeah, okay. Um, well, wait, that, uh, that cat from Suits can seriously act. Uh-huh. Which cat from Suits? Uh, the guy playing Rex Tyler. Oh, okay. I haven't seen Suits. I don't know. Um, now, apparently they've also... There are, they're reporting that a similar deal may be open to Matt Ryan, um, who played John Constantine, uh, if that show performs well enough streaming on CWC, is what they say. Now, there's also... Uh, Bleeding Cool says that uh, they're trying to work out a deal with Fox to get Batman and Bruce Wayne on one of these shows at some point. Um, Batwoman will... Uh, Kate Kane, Batwoman, will likely will likely be on National City, uh, or in National City on a Supergirl guest spot. Um, gosh, man. They're talking about bringing in Barbara Gordon as Oracle, um, so that the with a similar dynamic between Barbara and Kate uh, that she had Oracle had with Black Canary in the Birds of Prey comics. And there's also a rumor that they're going to launch a fifth series so that they can ha- so CW can have a superhero show on every night of the week. I don't know what you think, man. Okay, all that uh, fantastic, right? Like we've tried Birds of Prey before. It was it was what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ashley Scott. I am. I'm sorry, I'm sorry too. But uh, for God's sake, like Oracle and Batwoman and. That's kind of a neat take. Not doing Batgirl, but Batwoman on um, mm-hmm. on Supergirl. Hell fucking yes. Right? Just just yet. And also, I don't even need to say Constantine, wherever the hell you put him. We're good. We're good here. Yep. Now, uh, would you like to go over to animation? <laughs> My God, there's animation. There's animation. <sighs> All right. As you will. All right. Uh, well, Batman the Killing Joke soundtrack. Uh, well, it's going to be coming out. Music for Batman the Killing Joke, as composed by uh, Michael McQuistian, Christopher Carter, and Lolita Ritmanis. This is also a footnote we apply to the rest of our show. Any name ever pronounced by anyone uh, under any circumstances comes with an asterisk at the end that uh, right. very roughly says, we probably got this wrong. Right. Um, they've all worked on, uh, like they've worked on Avengers Assemble, Batman the Animated Series, Batman Beyond, etc. Uh, the the soundtrack will be released digitally this Friday, July twenty second, mm-hmm. um, and a physical copy will follow at some undisclosed time. Apparently, um, thing of note in the soundtrack, Mark Hamill sings as the Joker. I think it's the on song... A song called uh, "Go Looney." Yeah, it's it's got to be the song where he's torturing him. <laughs> So I mean, every time you've yeah. read that that book, haven't you kind of been, like heard a bit of a melody? A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's never just been straight poetry to me. I've always kind of heard a melody and like tried to read it fast enough for it to give up with the melody. Yeah. So on Twitter, a fan asked Mark or said to Mark Hamill, um, "Are you done playing? Are you done playing the Joker after Batman: The Killing Joke? Please say no." Mark responded, "No." <laughs> so it looks like we're gonna keep getting some Mark Hamill. Uh, La La Land Records is also putting out Justice League, the anima- animated series soundtrack. Um, it's going to be a four-disc set, deluxe set, um, 
It's going to have wow. Lolita, Lolita Romanus, uh, Michael McQuiston, and Christopher Carter of Batman the Brave and the Bold, Batman Beyond, Superman the Animated Series, all those cats we were just talking about a second ago. Um, who, Man, it's going to be music from more than 20 episodes. Wow. So there's that. If you dig that kind of stuff, it's a limited edition of 3,000 units. It's going to be 60 bucks, $59.98. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be available at Comic-Con International San Diego first on July 20th, and then uh, La La Land Records uh, July 26th. And uh, a limited number of signed copies of the soundtrack are going to also be available on that website July 26th, starting at 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. You are not guaranteed a signed copy, apparently. The quantities are very limited. <laughs> um, <laughs> Deal with yeah, it. Yeah, that, that is happening. Uh, Will Arnett has been talking about uh, <laughs> the Lego Batman movie. Um, he says, when we were first finding the Batman voice and finding what was making us laugh the first time around, it took us a beat to wade through the different things we liked and found funny about each Batman. I tried to look at all of the Batman. Now I feel like I'm in a zone where I'm just really lucky that I've got all of these great guys who played Batman before me, and the comics before that, and I get to draw on this deep well and just mix and match. Uh, he also talked about working with Zach Galifianakis, who is playing the Joker mm, in the Lego Batman good. movie. He says, Zach and I had a really fun session a little while back. I've known Zach forever. The dynamic we landed on for Batman and the Joker that really works for us, I would describe as refreshing. It's a little <laughs> bit surprising. It's not what people are accustomed to with regards to these two characters. So I'm excited about Zach Galifianakis being the Joker in a way that I, I haven't am. been before. I am. Also, like a lot of people say that kind of thing. Um, between Arnett and Galifianakis screwing around, yeah, mm-hmm. that, might actually, that might actually be a real thing. Yeah, might be pretty good. So, on to video games. Batman the Telltale series has a release date. The first episode will be available for a digital release in August. Um, It'll be for iOS and Android. uh, And it's coming out September 13th in physical release. uh, September 13th in North America. But yeah. Uh, it says, uh, da, 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 da. North America has a special season pass disc, which will include the first of five episodes in the season and will grant access to the subsequent four episodes as they become available for download via online updates. Now there's something else, another video game that came out. I actually saw the headline. It says, stop playing Pokemon go and play this instead. <laughs> it's Batman art, Batman Arkham underworld. It's been released. It's for iOS devices only, so screw you guys. I hate you. Why? That was um, kind of my problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you basically become you basically become a uh, villain. One of Batman's villains in the games in the Arkham uh, universe, and you try to take over the city. Which and sounds Bat- fantastic. Uh, so I'm gonna go ahead and you- cop to something and say I own a Samsung. Fuck you guys. <laughs> uh, so yeah. <laughs> Or please release this on Android. We love you. I'm going to stay hateful, but I, I like where you're going. <laughs> I, I imagine you just sitting back in an armchair with your with the tips of your fingers touching in an arc like Mr. Burns or something. So, mm, I shall remain hateful. <laughs> I shall now, remain hateful and full of Rick and Morty. Oh, I man, shall I find playing, all the Mortys. I started playing Pocket Mortys today. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to try it out for five minutes and stay there for an hour. That happens. And then panic. That happens. Um. That happens. <laughs> it's kind of funny for like the first hour, and then it's just enticing for all the hours after that. 
And it is basically Pokemon, so it's kind of deleterious to the rest of everything that's happening right now. You're like, no, I'm not playing Pokemon Go. That's stupid. But I'll play this thing that's basically I'm a play... funny knockoff of it. I'm going to play Pocket Mortys. <laughs> I'm some Mortys instead. Um, last piece of news, surprisingly. Last piece of news. <laughs> the word I last I didn't end. think ever would happen in the course of this podcast. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, they are apparently going to be introducing or un- unveiling two new Injustice 2 characters at the San Diego Comic-Con. Which is happening this week, right? It is happening July 21st through the 24th. Mm. So, you know, last year we did a thing where uh, we threw out a bonus news episode as like stuff was being announced at Comic-Con. Yeah. Um, I don't the funny part was like we're we were doing that. Yeah, we were recording, going, "Holy shit, this just happened!" Mm-hmm. Uh, don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, don't think that's gonna happen this year. Um, <laughs> I the 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 case we're not doing so being that I'm pretty sure our listeners didn't really care either way. Uh, not necessarily. No. Just, also, like when we normally record the news, uh, we'll have a, we'll have all of that wrapped up for you. So. Mm-hmm. We will rap, we will talk about it, but oh, there's gonna be a ton yeah. of SDCC. SDCC. I've heard Arrow Plus, and uh, Flash have put out uh, specific trailers for it. Like it, it, it's it's what you expect. It's yeah. San Diego Comic Con. Uh, like there there's gonna be a shit ton of new stuff happening. Well, there's also gonna be a lot of fake news. There's gonna happening. be a ton of fake news. Like, there's going to be like, uh, look at this trailer for season three. And then we're going to look at the trailer and be like, that's a sizzle reel from last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> screw you guys. With one me that's panel a that might be new things. Like, I don't know. Anyway, that's all the news. Oh, I said we'd call it. You want to call it? Yeah. Okay. Suicide Squad kind of, dear God. Yeah. I mean, what do we have here? What do we have? Hold on. I'm just curious. Uh, There's a good 18 days before we're actually going to be sitting down watching this thing. Um, And holy God, like what else could you possibly tell us? Why not just show us the movie in the meantime? (laughs) You know what? I don't think we actually did. I don't think we talked about the the new trailer too much. But I don't feel like there was a lot of it in there. It was just like Amanda Waller's a badass. Okay, yeah, that the 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 new trailer. I'll say this for it. Um, it what is this thing like? Sixty five seconds, something like that. Like it, it's a short. minute, some change. Yeah, it's it's short. It 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 mm. isn't the holy shit fucking the final trailer kind of moment. It's yeah. Oh, by the way, here's some extra stuff. Which I think they've really, really like cool ran cute. out of things. Like they just don't want to tell us anymore. Well. I, I think it has something to do with the fact that they don't have anything else they can reveal without really revealing something. Mm-hmm. And something else to do with the fact that they've kind of told their story as far as they would like to tell it. And they, at the last minute, it seems like they've decided, well, we could go into a couple of different characters, but why don't we just kind of go ahead and why don't we explain why Amanda Waller's a badass? Mm-hmm. And this trailer gives you a damn good idea about why Amanda Waller's a badass. Like Rick Flagg, yeah. this. This consummate military professional is stuttering in her presence. Mm-hmm. Stuttering. Like, it, 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 I don't know what she said to him, but he's afraid. I mean, he's like cortisol level is up, serotonin levels down. He's not in good shape. The the actual trailer though did a, a great job of not. Um, I, at this point, I'm going to call it BVSing it, <laughs> where you gave too much away. 
Yeah. Like they did three trailers where in uh with BBS we did this, right? The 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 storyline was trailer one, awesome. Trailer two, oh trailer three, yeah. oh, okay. All right, I guess. With uh Suicide Squad, it's it's just been like a series of accolades. I mean, trailer one and mm. two were fantastic. And then trailer three is oh okay, cool. Would it be awful if like we're just like, okay, cool, they learn from their mistakes on, on the BVS with the trailers and everything, and oh my gosh, we still don't know anything that's going on. This and then we see the movie and it is actually as incomprehensible as everyone pretended Batman v Superman was. I will I will correct you on pretended. <laughs> Look, at I, I we were happy to assume some things and we created some yeah. things as far as headcanon goes. And I, I'm like our headcanon, I think is still intact, but we assume oh, some yeah. things and a lot of those things were validated by the extra sure. few minutes. Sure. But you know, but the I movie still, did like, make more sense than it actually would have seemed to have made. It did. It did. But you know, I still think the theatrical cut was way more way more cogent than any than, than this critics pretended it was. I really do. I will agree with that sentence full throttle. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but getting the like the ultimate cut, it it's all out there. It's all out there. Just just oh how many com- how many times can I make this pitch? Just go watch the theatrical cut. Or I mean the the ultimate cut guys. Don't yeah. sorry. Don't don't do the theatrical. Please go watch the ultimate cut. <laughs> oh my god, there's a penguin flying this plane. And he's been drinking. Yeah. Wow, 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 wow. And then you can go watch the ultimate cut afterwards. Somebody please message me if you got that reference. Please message us <laughs> on Twitter at DC on screen. Or someone, Facebook at DC on screen. Someone can validate Dave. <laughs> someone please validate me. Anyway. He doesn't need it. But god damn it, it would be great. It would feel good in my heart. Feel good. It would feel good in my heart where the blood started to clot. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening to this very long episode of DC on screen. Which you wasn't our fault. Every... Not our fault at all. It's just that Suicide Squad decided to release everything in one goddamn day. So. <laughs> You can find every episode of DC on screen at dconscreen.com, including our big crossovers with the Suicide Squad cast, eh? Batman Ooh. and Robin. Don't you want to hear them curse and us talk about Batman and Robin? And that movie deserved big it. crossover. Like I was happy for them that they got to hop on our show and actually like let sure. loose because that movie deserves cursing. <laughs> and our big crossover with scott madison of the next time comic book television prediction podcast we had a great time with him talking about superman for the quest for peace we're just gluttons for punishment over here we're a sucker yeah. for pain yeah to bring in the suicide squad soundtrack song thing yeah Suckers i I, for pain. I watched superman for a couple of times and uh I, I like as a person i i degraded more <laughs> each time uh-huh i i <laughs> I lost a little bit of myself each time, uh-huh. but it was fun to to whittle away at it with with Scott. Mm-hmm. And we all needed that after having watched it. Like it, it, the fun part is like there's a period before and after in your life where you have or have not seen Quest for Peace, and afterward mm-hmm. you need a support group. And what we did was like an outlawed support, like an outlawed uh, support group. Mm-hmm. I felt good after that. Oh man, 
speaking of a support group, our buddy Sam Ruiz on uh, Twitter just sent us a picture of a crypto, pimp-ass crypto he's got on his shelf that's going on the DC Loot on Facebook, nice. the DC Loot album. Very nice. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Woo. <laughs> what were we talking about? I don't know. I think we're talking about anyway. ending the show. Yeah, that. Sorry, we're both because exhausted. Because for God's sake, Suicide Squad. Yeah. <laughs> Love you guys. Go over to Facebook, DC on screen. Twitter, DC on screen. You can find us both of those places. DConscreen.com for every episode. Check out our buddy Steve West, Jacob Raspberry at the Screen Explosion podcast. Until next time, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, well, no, it might be another news episode, or we might wait, wait a couple weeks. I'm not really sure what we're doing because on Monday we're going to be, um, that is our big uh, killing joke. Uh, crossover with scott and we're gonna have our buddy chris and we're gonna be seeing uh the killing joke and, and talking about it right after so yeah very roughly um monday all right news is gonna be weird next week um mm-hmm. we may have to sneak that in before suicide squad and then um yeah suicide squad oh, i'm sorry before the killing joke killing then, joke okay. um yeah, the the other thing is like Suicide Squad's coming out right before that, or right after that. Yeah. So it's yeah. a big DC week, yay! Yeah, which means we probably will have to like be like right in the middle of that, like right in the middle of the SDCC coverage, and just kind of sneak in a Saturday show, um, or something. But yeah, anyway, you're gonna be you're gonna hear all about all this stuff from us. But we love you. Thank you for listening. Share us with your friends. Um, Share us with your enemies. Share us with your enemies, especially if you don't like us. <laughs> because two negatives is a positive. <laughs> hey, these guys are good. You should listen to them. <laughs> I hate DC on screen. And now my enemy, who doesn't know that I hate him, will listen to something terrible. That's but against the, the download. That's but if you hate him and you everyone. But if you hate him and you hate us, chances are he'll like us. All right, I'm getting delirious. It should, it's the math. It's the math. <laughs> Be, be like be as negative as you possibly can to as many people who hate you as much as they possibly can and then that amounts to a bunch of positives somehow i'm almost sure that i should not be hired by an advertising agency of any kind <laughs> jason what do you think about this idea put a dog on it <laughs> yeah that's pretty much it i think we should move this uh we, we should part of it uh, I'm going to say puppy. Puppy. But, what about this? Jason. What, what are the, we have a new drug. Ice cream cone. <laughs> the stripping and being licked up by a puppy. Why do you like puppy so much? Puppy. Puppy with an ice cream cone. That's my plan. Guys, until next week, keep some DC on your screen. Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Enjoy 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. Shop tees from $6.99 and joggers from $24.99. Plus extra 15% off online. Exclusions apply. Shop the sale through April 6th. Look around you, that car you're driving, that house your family lives in, making your daughter laugh, inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive, teaching him he can be anything, all you. And your dreams for tomorrow, you'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen, they are made by you. The important word being you. 
American Family Insurance, protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies. American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.